There's going to be a whole generation of fans that buy their first sports jersey. Their first sport jersey is going to be an eSport. This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. I'm so excited because this is another eSports special of Entrepreneur. I have Chris Overholt, Overactive Media CEO. Now, Chris, you didn't start your career in gaming. No, no. Did, did anybody? Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a few people I, like I guess Tommy there's a generation. and a few, yeah, sure. few that I've met that, you know, were the Atari guys. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but moreover, you're really a traditional sports executive. Your career has gone from the Raptors to the Dolphins and uh, even on the Olympic Committee for Canada. Mm -hmm. And what was it about esports that excited you to transition into what really a lot of people thought was just a fad. Yeah, well, I think the industry is uh, is proving every day that it's a lot more than than a passing fad. Um, you know, I had a wonderful opportunity to get engaged. I met with um, a good number of people out here in California um, at the Activision Blizzard offices. Um, I had a chance, was invited into a conversation with those guys in 2016, right after the Rio games, and uh, and really was quite blown away by all of what they were working on, uh, the industry generally, but of course in preparation for those conversations, I had to do my own research about the emergence of eSport generally and on a global basis, and I couldn't believe what I was reading, and I couldn't believe uh, the trend analysis that pointed to the future. So um, that was in 2016. Uh, we spent four or five months talking about potential opportunities, and in the end, uh, chose not to do it with each other, but then when the opportunity surfaced with Mike Kimmel and Sheldon Pollock and the group in Toronto, I didn't feel like I could pass it again. So That's amazing because I was going to the Cleveland Cavalier Golden State Championship game and my son who went with me, it's his very first playoff game, was that game seven. He looks over at Oracle and he goes, Dad, they sold that out for the eSport League of Legends Championship. Right. And I looked at him and looked at Justin, the media guy. I'm like, Miles, what are you, he was seven at the time. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, you watch video games and, and right. they sell can i go next year well it's it, funny you say it that way like <laughs> yeah. uh i had a moment i remember very specifically and apropos of nothing because i didn't know what esports was at that time i was in a taxi in toronto driving past the air canada center and um and i actually had heard about just in that moment on the radio or in a conversation in the car heard about the north american championships for league of legends selling out in like 20 minutes at the air canada center and that's the first time I remember hearing about esports, and the first time thinking, "Boy, that's pretty significant scale and yeah. something I don't know anything about." So I think that was 2015. Yeah, and it's been a bit of a ride since. And so. more people watched it than the NBA Finals. Like, yeah, literally more viewers, and it's incredible. How do you define? Because I have difficulty. I'm an investor, obviously. Yeah, even in overactive and just blessed, just so blessed to be a part of it. But how do you describe to people what esports is? Uh, well, in a more empirical way, I say that it's a physical expression of a cognitive ability. Nice. Um, you know, the 400 million uh, movements, or 400 million, 400 movements per minute. Um, and these are, you know, think about it for a moment. The Call of Duty League um, will have 12 teams in the league. That is, a, that is a game title that has almost 300 million global players. And our 12-team league is going to have the best 120 players or so in the world engaged in it. So in that way, it's no different than any sport. 
this is a league and the leagues that we're invested in, they draw the best players from around the globe and they put them on showcase just like sport does. And, and again, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch the development of players and team strategies cooperatively with the players for how they think about themselves as, as athletes, uh, because they really are like, and, and maybe at a different level than we even need to think about. So imagine, um, Imagine you're an NFL player or a Major League Baseball player and you, uh, you need to prep to travel all over the world and do what you do. Well, that's one level of preparation and there would be a number of layers attached to it that would be important in that. But if you're, a, if you're an eSport athlete thinking about, again, your skill level and what needs to be true if you're flying from Toronto to China, then how do you need to be hydrating? How do you need to be sleeping? How do you need to be measuring your physical and mental well-being to have a physical expression of your cognitive ability at the highest level. So I, I love the debate around whether these, these athletes are athletes, um, because I, I think it's easy to say that they are, and I think it's going to be an interesting development and trajectory for those athletes globally as we go along. Yeah, it's interesting because I also think it's the ultimate equalizer. The most, my favorite part about esports is the only sport that I can think of that it doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. Tall, short, you don't even need to have legs. I mean, literally any color, any sex, any religion, yeah. it doesn't matter as long as you have internet connection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the only qualifier. And, and I love that, that inclusiveness about it. I love that openness. Uh, that's an opportunity for all of us. And it's an opportunity for, for us as uh, invested uh, principals in the industry and for the leagues that we play in to really demonstrate leadership to the sport community in that regard. Uh, it's boundaryless. Um, you know, we, we can be in a place um, where, you know, our game titles, our players are featured literally all over the world. And as you point out, um, you know, it, it's an opportunity for every to, everybody to be involved. And I think that sense of community is the strongest aspect of it, actually. And the money side, people definitely don't understand the money side. Mm -hmm. And coming from the sports agency world and the sports marketing world and the sports executive world, how is money being made today? And how do you think it'll be made in the future? Yeah, well, you're you're kind of poking at our very business thesis. So, um, we're our strategy is really quite simple. We're invested in the closed kind of city-based or regional franchise leagues against the biggest titles uh, in the world that um, give us. Because you have a traditional sports background, is that because you know that best? Uh, it's it's because of the business model, and then oh. what we're doing is our method of operation, our modus operandi is really rooted in a business or in our traditional sports strategy. So the thesis is that if we're invested in those closed leagues, um, those are the leagues that offer us the greatest upside um, because they offer us the opportunity to sit inside the enterprise growth of those leagues. So just like the NFL or the NBA and the NHL, as the leagues that we're invested in, um, as they take off with uh, broadcast rights, with marketing partnership deals, with merchandise and licensing uh, deals, we get to share in all of that as franchise holders inside that business model. So as the enterprise of the, of the league grows, we benefit from that. There are only three leagues like that in the world today. The Activision Blizzard offering of a Overwatch League, uh, soon the Call of Duty League, as will be launched in 2020, and uh, the League of Legends leagues that exist around the world and our, you know, our role in that is with our Splice brand in, in League of Legends. So that's our business thesis that as the, um, as the industry of esports grows and as uh, those leagues grow and are monetized, that as franchise investors and all of that, we'll get to share. 
our strategy is to come at this in the way that you're suggesting as Madison Square Garden or from from Toronto Maple Leaf Sports <laughs> and Entertainment, right? right? We own franchises that play in the biggest most important leagues in the world. We are content producers, we build brands around the shoulders of the of those core brands that are our teams. We promote and distribute um, our content around our players and we're storytellers in those ways. And ultimately, at least in the context of our operation in Toronto, we expect to be venue builders. So we really are working actively right now to be in conversations where we can develop a strategy for building a whole venue for our teams in Toronto. And again, that's a, just a higher expression of a, of a city-based or regional franchise model. I find it so interesting because it has such unity of age groups, business models, executives, et cetera. And yet, like you take Monumental, Hair Splitzer, who I was with last night. Yeah. All, you know, all these traditional Ted and, and they're trying to mark Cuban, they're trying to get involved. But the one thing that I see is different is, even though we have traditional franchise owners getting involved, Crocky, mm. et cetera, I don't see a transition like a lot of the older owners think that someday they'll own, you know, the LA Chargers, in Madden football or right. like in the NBA right. 2K. I, I don't think that's where the future is because I don't think the gamers themselves that that is really aligned with where, for example, the League of Legends League is mm. or, or the Call of Duty League is that it just wouldn't translate over that that franchise on the eSport would be worth the same as a franchise in the traditional sport. Well, look, I, I think we have to give ourselves over to the fact that we we certainly don't know what we don't know. Right. And and there are um, there are a whole generation of young people who think of this as their sport. You know, we were just talking in the meeting I was in. There is going to be a whole generation of kids in the next, uh, and I, I use the term kids loosely as an older man now, but um, there's going to be a whole generation of fans that buy their first sports jersey in the next six months around the Call of Duty League. Their first sport jersey is going to be an eSport. Yeah. There's a, you know, Will that it be real or be virtual. And uh, yeah, it'll be both. Yeah, it'll, it'll be both. both. But I spent more. <clears throat> this is true. I, I have four kids. Yeah. I spent more money last year on virtual clothing skins. Is that right? Than on real clothing for my nine year old. So if that, if that's and not that's an indication. True. Yeah. If that's not an indication of just what we don't know. I mean, the metrics around this are are right now being expressed as a potential. But fast forward 10 years, 15, 20 years, what does this look like? Is it conceivable given what we know today and what we can see? And, and you know, with the commitments like Activision Blizzard and Riot Games are making to, to establishing these leagues, is it, a, is it possible that we're playing in 20,000 seat venues like a basketball team or a hockey team? Absolutely. No doubt. And, and more than that, um, if you look at the metrics of the growth and scale of, say, the NBA, versus the way some of these leagues and, and the engagement levels in particular around these leagues are scaling in eSport, it's actually outpacing the development of those leagues. If you go back to the NBA and look at all the transactions that were done around teams in the uh, mid to late 90s, there were a whole collection of them done, you know, kind of the, the early days of David's, uh, David Stern's leadership as commissioner. On the low end, uh, the... Uh, the Houston Rockets, I think, were purchased by Les Alexander for $9.8 million. Yeah. And on the high end, the Celtics and the Portland Trailblazers were sold for just over $100 million. But if you throw out the highs and the lows and you normalize for inflation, 
the value of those franchises is roughly the equivalent of an Overwatch League franchise today. Except the audience numbers are growing in five and six times the clip. So in a world where there isn't an NBA franchise today that's worth, what, less than $2 billion, according to Forbes at least, then what does that say about the potential of just Overwatch in that context? And that, I think, is going to prove to be probably the smallest of the franchise holdings that we have next to Call of Duty and League of Legends. So we see nothing but up and to the right here. And the rest of the conversation is, you know, what are we doing in our business every day to endure those lean years, you know, as we build out our business and as we um, as we think about its growth potential. One of the other areas, you know, I come from a sports agency background. I have a marketing sports company and I don't think that we've even touched the surface of corporate sponsorship and endorsement. Mm. I think the executives, it's hard enough to get executives in sports to understand esports right now. Yeah. You know, we were talking about being on Barstool yesterday and the guys didn't know what esports was. Right. To me, I get excited because that means we have so much room to grow. But I'm in meetings with big Fortune 500 companies and they're paralyzed right now because they see the numbers of people that are involved, yeah. but they're not quite sure how to do that. And I think the business of traditional sports has been based off of corporate money as well as, of course, distribution. Yeah. We haven't seen real corporate money involved at all. No, but it's coming. And I'll tell you, our uh, our partners at Activision Blizzard, Brandon Snow and Josh Sella and that team have done a fantastic job. And again, those numbers aren't um, widely understood because they're private, but I can tell you they are leading the way in that regard. And um, and really, I think, starting to set a bar for the whole of the industry in, in that context. It's something we're focused on every day. So we have uh, we have a group of more than 40 people inside Overactive Media today. A good chunk of them are sales and marketing folks that uh, I've known in previous lives and who bring traditional sports marketing experience and who bring, um, um, you know, big brand marketing experience generally and live event experience. Um, we are spending the majority of our time out proselytizing for a whole industry is the way we think of it. You know, this is seminal work. Yeah. to do and and it's all of our responsibility you know each one of us who own teams in these leagues each one of us that are invested and have a you know an ownable position in this industry but you know we've been very aggressive it's kind of my home base and um and you know we have a very i think a very rich opportunity in canada around our two teams in uh, in toronto but you know equally in europe with our uh, with our position in uh, in european league of legends we're today, uh, Tyler, uh, um, Tyler Keenan, who runs our global partnership business, uh, he and I and Allison Walker and everybody on our team right now are, are in roughly 140 global conversations with marketing partners right now. Now, are they all going to come next week? No, but uh, at one point, as you point out, there's going to be a switch that flips. And when that does, I like the way we're positioned right now. And career-wise, so many people want to get involved in sports. What uh, areas would you say, if you're a younger person, not a player, but wants to get into the business of esports, what are some of the skill sets where you see the most traction? Where, you know, is it marketing, sales, design? Where are the areas where a young kid should study in college right now if yeah. they want to get involved? So I've been asked that question since I started in sport, yeah. and my answer will continue to be the same. Uh, if you can figure out how you contribute, to the revenue model of any sport organization, whether that's selling tickets or adding value to marketing partnership deals or how you support the marketing of the organization generally, then you're on the right side of the equation. Um, where I've been very fortunate is to have been invited into conversations with uh, 
with sport organizations where where I can help with those things and where I think we've been generally successful over years and where I think we'll make our market over active media is where we contribute to the growth of an industry related to how we drive revenue into it. So if you can figure out how to do those things well, and you know, and, and that's an easy thing to say for somebody who's been in it for almost 25 years, but um, you know, if you're a young person coming out of school and you build relationships easy and you have a confidence in the spoken and written word and you like sports and you have a passion for what it means in people's lives, I think all of those skills kind of build into an opportunity for you to be passionate about how you might present and sell that to someone. And so I would encourage anybody who, who thinks about those skills uh, to think about it in that way. Well, I love it. We're going to remember that name Overholt. It'll be like Davis Hunt Rooney someday. <laughs> it's pretty exciting when you yeah. start your career like me in traditional sports and to think like, wow, I re your family name really could be... 20 well, years from now, like the NFL super owners. Well, that's a very kind thing for you to say. And, um, you know, what I love about this most is that, um, you know, we have our principals, the, the Kimmel family out of Canada and Sheldon Pollock, who's been a longtime tech investor and innovator. Um, you know, these are the guys that um, were kind enough to invite me into this conversation. And uh, together, we talk about it every day as a long-term commitment to building a company inside an industry that we think has nothing but incredible potential. And we really believe we're building a multi-billion dollar company here. And that's exciting to be a part of and to sit in that room with all of our partners at Activision Blizzard and all of our fellow franchisees this morning. Uh, I can tell you, there wouldn't be any one of us that didn't come out of it revved up. So. Well, I'm more revved up considering I'm an investor. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough. I certainly appreciate Thank it. You.